excited to uh, be able to spend some time with you guys this morning. Um, we've been walking through this series over the last couple of weeks called With, um, which has become our theme for the year 2019. And really our desire to say there's three relationships that we want to focus on pressing into this year. And the first, we'll talk about last week, and that is our relationship with God. And how do we really begin to make our relationship with God a priority for us this year? Not just um, to read the Bible, but to really experience God's presence. To really be with God, spending time with Him daily. And today we're going to be looking at what it means for us to be with a friend. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you guys have your Bibles or uh, if you have your phone in the Bible app, you can look up our notes there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. About 10 years ago, I was a youth pastor downtown at First Baptist Charleston. And when I was there, one of the kind of craziest things happened to me uh, that had only happened one time before in my life up until then. I met another Joel. Now, some of you are saying, isn't that like, like a common name? Like, but when you really stop and think about, think about it, how many Joels have you met in your life? I know for me, up until that point, I'd probably met one. Now, I do think there's another one here this morning, uh, which is a cool thing. But I met this guy named Joel. And it wasn't a, like, it was a super rare occurrence in my life. And it was pretty neat because we weren't that far apart in age uh, I, I was young, at, youngish at the time, and uh, he was young. We were both kind of newly married, and so uh, we would get together. We had like music and co- love for good music in common, and so we started spending time together, and it was a cool thing. It kind of felt like this divine appointment, like God was doing something, bringing two of us, like wandering Joels in the world together into relationship. And so it's kind of this big deal. And after a little while, you wouldn't believe it, but the craziest thing happened again. At church, I met another Joel. And again, he's a young guy, newly married. And so uh, we all kind of started hanging out together as as couples. um, But it was interesting because really all that we had in common was that we were youngish, our names were Joel, and we liked good music, right? Like that was it. And I feel like for me, at least at the time, like that's how a lot of my relationships happened. Like they're just like, oh, we have that in common. That's cool. We should spend time together. Oh, we have the same name. That's great. Let's like hang out together. And I don't know. But I think a lot of our relationships come from those kinds of experiences where we just meet someone and maybe something clicks and we're like, well, I guess maybe we should do something this weekend or whatever. It's kind of like our relationships happen accidentally or kind of by happenstance. And they're not things that we like pursue intentionally. And I knew at the time in the relationships that I had that this, this wasn't all that it was supposed to be, that there was supposed to be more um, to this whole thing. And I think a lot of us are probably in those shoes this morning. We sit back and we look at the relationships that God has given us and most of them kind of happen accidentally, or we, we work together, or we went to church together, or whatever, whatever it may be, and we're like, okay, this is great, like, I'm glad that I have you as a friend, but what does it really mean for us to be friends? What does it really mean for us to be in a relationship together? And we find these, like, random moments of happiness and those kinds of 
of relationships and we feel good about it. And we look at like our social media profile and we get a false sense of security about this whole friend thing. And we're like, I must have it down, right? I've got hundreds and thousands of friends out there. Uh, I'll, I'll show you guys my Facebook profile. Here it is. Um, so you can look at it. If you look at, uh, I thought it was somewhere. Yeah, there it is. Friends, 1,571. I don't know why I couldn't see that now. So that's how many friends I have. Now, some of you guys here aren't friends with me on Facebook yet, and you can really help me get over that 1,600 mark. So you need to think about that this morning. Um, But seriously, like, my Facebook says that I have 1,571 friends. Now, I could look at that and be like, I'm killing this thing. Like, I've got so many friends. But the reality is, there are people on that list that if I, like, you've had it occasionally, like, you'll see somebody pop up and you're like, who is that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, who is that? And these are just people who over the years, we've, like, added them and connected with them and They're not real relationships for us, but we feel like they're real because they are friends with us, uh, at least on social media. How do we get to a point where our friendships and our relationships become something that matter, become something that we invest in and become something that's real? Sociologists will will tell you, I've, I've seen and read a lot this week on this, that the human capacity for friendship is that each one of us is not capable of having more than 150 friends at a time. Each one of us is not capable of having more friends than that. And that friends there is a really loose term because those are just the people that sometime over the course of a year, you're going to have some kind of social interaction with them. And then it's only possible for us to maintain 150 people at a time. They also say that if you say you have more than that, you're a liar. (laughs) Like, it's just not possible. And if you break that down a little more, it breaks down to a group of about 35 people. And those 35 people are the people that you would probably include on your Christmas card list. You're mailing out Christmas cards. When we get to the season, a lot of you sent me Christmas cards, so I feel super blessed to be in your 35. Thank you. but, uh, and then from there, it breaks down to groups of about 15 people. Now, this, this group of 15 people are the people in your life that you give about 60% of your social capital to. You spend 60% of your relational time with these 15 people giving to those relationships. Now, these are the kinds of people who, if you landed in some kind of emergency, they would drop everything and come watch your kids for you or whatever it may be. Like, these are good friends, and those relationships matter. And then we shrink from 15 down to where I really want us to focus this morning, and that is five. Five people. Now, we would say that these five people are our closest friends the people who are really part of our inner circle. And and when I talk about this, you have to realize that we're including like your family in this mix. Um, These are people that you just are really close to, and they make up about 40% of what we give socially um, throughout our day and throughout our week. And so these five people matter. And probably in there, you have about three, four family members that are your closest. And then You've got one, maybe two people outside of your family that are really, really close friends. 
Now, if you break it down even farther, this is the fun number. Sociologists say that you have 1.5 best friends. Now, your 1.5 best friends are probably people that you live with. These are the people who know you at your best. They have definitely seen you at your worst, and they're willing to stick it out with you. And so they're really important. Hopefully for you, your spouse isn't like your 0.5%. But, um, but these are the people that really matter. But where I want us to focus today and think about is that five, those five people. Who are your five? Who are the five people in your life that you're the closest to? It can be family and friends, whatever it may be. But who are the five people in your life that you are the closest to in your life? I want you to think about that. And I want you to kind of keep that list in your head uh, as we go on. So there's a health insurer called Cigna who did a study recently. And they said, um, after the study uh, of Americans, that about uh, 54% of us say that no one in our life really knows us that well. 54%. No one in our life really knows us that well. 56% of us say that even our friends aren't with us. It's interesting that they use that word. 56% of people say that even their friends aren't with them. And 40% of us today are are lonely. We're isolated. We don't feel like we have anybody that we can turn to. And it's turned into this problem culturally where we're missing deep relationships. Where we have this hole in our lives of that need to be filled with relationships and, and those parts are just missing, they're empty. And so that kind of thing leads us to depression and anxiety and loneliness. And we have all these big feelings and we don't know who to turn to with them and it leaves us in a dark place. One of the biggest causes for depression in our world today, I don't know if you knew this, was social media. And the fact that I can look at my profile and see that I have 1,571 friends. One, that's a major cause for depression because we get on and see those 1,571 people having better lives than us and wonder what's wrong with us. And then two, we're just getting by on these superficial relationships that don't have any weight and don't have realness to them in any way. And when we have areas in our life where we need to grow, people tell us, just love yourself. Flaws in everything, that's who you are. Just love yourself. When we need to be challenged, we get warm and fuzzy memes with kittens to make us feel better about our day. And when we need to be really and truly and deeply loved, we get hearted. Guys, we've got to get to the real. We've got to seek out and search and be intentional and try and find what a real friendship and what a real relationship looks like. And I believe that it needs to start with us, the church, that we as the body of Christ should be the example of what real relationships look like. But we've got to begin to give up the superficial for the intentional. So Paul was great at this. So we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you look back to the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, you'll see in the beginning uh, that it's not just Paul that's listed as the author of this letter, but he lists another guy named Silvanus, or some of you may know him as Silas, and then a guy named Timothy. Paul was great at this with idea. He was always constantly bringing people with him everywhere that he went. 
as he had the chance to travel and do missionary work, he had guys with him that he was mentoring, that he was investing in, that he was sharing his life with in a real way. And then those guys were able to go out and do great ministry on their own because of that. And so these three had spent a lot of time in Thessalonica with the church here, being with them, expressing the goodness of God to them through relationship. And so today I want us to look and see what that looked like for Paul and Silas and Timothy as they spent time with people and gave themselves over to them. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 1. I think the first thing that we're going to see here is that being with a friend is about what God wants, not what I want. So let's read in verse 1. Paul says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, although we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Notice that when when Paul jumps into this, one of the first things that he does is he calls the Thessalonica church brothers. He uses this family term because he understands how important these relationships are. And in the early church, this was very common for the church to walk around calling each other brother and sister. I grew up in in a traditional Baptist church, and I remember um, that was kind of a term for us that we reserve for the clergy or a reverend or a pastor, but we would call them um, Brother Michael or or whatever it may be. Um, That was a term that we used. But just imagine, and I know that we don't do that. That's not like a thing that we really do. But what if we thought of each other that way? What if we really saw each other as a family of God? And I love how Paul brings that out here. And he says, listen, our our coming to you was not in vain because we came with the gospel. We came with the good news. We came to present the love of Jesus to you. And it's not about in any way what you wanted to hear. But it's what God wanted. We came not to please you, but to please God. Paul says, you know we're telling the truth. Because the truth hurts a little bit. Because it's a little hard. If we had come to please you, we would have lied. We would have made you feel comfortable. We would have um, bowed down to whatever your needs are and brought you along. But we're not here to please you, though we love you. We're here to please God. When it comes to pleasing God, we need sometimes to hear hard truth from people that we love. We need people to step into our lives and call us out when we've goofed. These are people who love us. These are people who are friends to us. And real relationships and real friendships speak truth, even when it's not easy. They're speaking the truth in love. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
that it's better to be wounded or hurt or face coming, coming face to face with who we are from a friend than to have an enemy or someone that's not a friend butter us up and make us feel good about ourselves. When people come to us with hard conversations, when they have truth to speak into our lives, oftentimes our response is to run. We don't want to hear it. We don't want people to say hard things to us. We don't want to have to experience that because it doesn't feel good. I don't like it. I don't know anyone who wants to sit down with someone and have them say, hey, this thing that's happening in your life, it's not pleasing God. And it needs to change. Those things are hard conversations. My first year here with Cane Bay, I I had a moment where um, I needed someone to speak truth into my life. And I was blessed um, to work with a guy, Charlie, um, who saw it and was willing to sit me down and talk to me. I could have heard that and took off saying, I don't want to be in a place where somebody's going to tell me things that are difficult for me to hear. But I made a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to press into these kinds of relationships where people love me enough to say things that are difficult for me to hear. And when we see that coming and we run or we hear it and we run, we miss out on the opportunity to grow. We become stagnant and we don't have anywhere to go So we need people in our lives who are willing to say these kinds of things to us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, wrote a great book called Life Together, and it's about the church and the importance of these kinds of relationships. And he says, human love is directed to the other person for his own sake, but spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. What I love about this passage is that Paul talks about coming to them and boldly proclaiming the gospel. And what's interesting about this whole concept of of hard conversations and hearing truth when it's difficult is that when you really think about it, the gospel is a hard conversation. Because the gospel forces us to look at ourselves and see, you know what? I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've made mistakes. The gospel can't be good news apart from us looking at our lives before Jesus and realizing that it wasn't good that it was bad, that we needed something else. And so the gospel comes to us at a moment where we don't have our stuff together and convicts us of our sin and points out that we can never be enough, but that we have to hold on to someone who is willing to take us out of our mess and rescue us and redeem us. That's a hard conversation. And if you've accepted the gospel and it wasn't hard for you to have to look at yourself, I don't think you understand just how good the grace of God is until you're able to see how badly and desperately you needed it to begin with. Some of you may be here this morning, and that's your your step to this whole thing is saying, you know what, that's me, my life's a mess. I need good news. I need to be rescued. I'm not good enough. I can't do this on my own. And I pray that today can be a day that you can take that step. I'd love to talk to you. I know Will would. Anybody on our staff or just someone that you trust, find someone and have that conversation. 
Number two, being with a friend requires love. Let's look at verses seven and eight. He says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And so, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So Paul is saying, yes, we're bringing you truth, but realize this, it comes out of love. That love is the foundation of all of this, and it's got to be there for us to speak these kinds of truths. And he, he uses another family term there, like a, a mom taking care of her children. And we certainly don't see a, a more like gracious picture in the family of what this kind of love really looks like than to see how a mom so graciously and diligently cares for her kids. Verse 8 kind of blows me away because Paul uses some pretty flowery language. He talks about how we affectionately desire you. You were dear to us. Guys, that's not the kind of like language that we use for each other. I can't remember the last time that I told another guy, I affectionately desire you. You know what I'm saying? But what it tells me about Paul is that he's being honest because none of us want to say that unless it's true, right? These people matter to him. These relationships matter to him. In our culture today, we have kind of these like, warm, fuzzy ideas of what love is. And I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Beatles, but I, every time I hear all you need is love, that love, 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 like I kind of gag a little bit. Um, mostly because it's just this kind of like superficial feeling of like we all need to love each other and walk together and everything's going to be rosy and happy. And that's not what real love is always about. Real love It's hard. It forgives, but it also walks through difficult stuff. It challenges us. When you think about the ultimate example of what real love is, it's this, that God sent his only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for your sin. That's love. It's not something warm and fuzzy. It's something that hurts us to do. It's something that's sacrificial for us to give. And it requires so much of us, like it required so much of God to love us. Do you have people in your life who love you that way? Think about your five. Think about those five people you were thinking of earlier. Did those people love you enough to sacrifice the things that they love the most? Do they love you enough to sacrifice their time, to sacrifice these things to step in and care for you? See, that kind of love is the foundation of being with a friend. I huddle with a couple of guys on, on Tuesday morning, and the other day, uh, huddles, so huddles with these groups of like two or three people. We get together, we study scripture, pray for each other, keep each other accountable. And so we were hanging out the other day, and I was, I was saying, um, talking about how I just like torn my kitchen apart because... I don't know. We're getting, yeah. So I tore my kitchen apart. Uh, it's this major disaster. And so I needed to move some electrical outlets. And I, I'm like deathly afraid of electricity. Um, so I didn't know what to do. Uh, and so I'm like, that's kind of the only part of this whole thing I'm scared about. And one of the guys that I huddle with, he's like, oh, I've done that before. He's like, when do you want to do it? I'll be there. 
I didn't have to ask him. I didn't have to say anything. Like he literally came and spent several hours of his Friday, which he could have been with his family, could have been doing things that were super important to him, but he made that sacrifice to come and step into an area of need that I have. And that's a light example of this. But we need people in our lives who, when they see that we have needs, when they see that we're walking through things, they're saying, I'm there. When do you need me? What can I do? How can I help in that situation? I was, I've been blessed um, here at Church Can Bay to have people walk with me through that over and over and over again. And my dad died a few years ago. And I had two guys in our church, not on staff, anything, who took me out to lunch and were just like, we're here for you. I don't know if you want to say anything. I don't know if you want to talk. I don't know what you want to do, but we're here. We're just here. We love you. We're with you. And that the world's in me. When Emily and I adopted our girls, I had another guy in our church do that very same thing. Take me to lunch and just say, I'm here. If there's anything you need, if there's anything that I can do, we have to become people who aren't accidental with our relationships, but are intentional. Who realize that what we do inside of friendships and inside of relationships matter in a big way, that we see needs We see struggles and we respond. We don't just tell people we're going to pray for them, but we stop right there and pray for them. We've got to start giving up these superficial relationships to make space for intentional ones that matter for the kingdom. My question for you guys this morning, what do you need to sacrifice? What do you need to sacrifice to be with someone? to walk with someone, to help them in their struggle and what they're dealing with. So being with a friend is about what God wants, not what I want. Being with a friend requires love. Lastly, being with a friend is something that you need. Let's look at verses 9 through 12. It says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul reminds them how when they were with them, they worked hard so that they wouldn't be a burden on them. But then he says, like a dad with his kids, we cheered you on. We were there to help you. We pushed you when you needed to take another step. We were there literally walking with you and giving you everything that you need to be in relationship with God. I haven't always been the best at this as a dad. And I'm kind of a let's get the job done dad. So whether it comes to like, Tying shoes or reading or riding a bike, I'm, I'm there and I, I want to help. And so um, in my desire to want to help and want to push my kids to be better, um, I often frustrate my children because I'm not really good at like cheering them on uh, in these moments. And I've learned a lot from Emily about stopping, celebrating, not pushing too hard, but 
trying to balance these things out. And recently, our oldest, she's been learning sight words at school. And so we've done a lot of this at home. And um, there was one night where I, we were going through her sight words. And I'm like, you're being tested on this tomorrow. And I'm like pushing her and pushing her and pushing her. And the next thing I know, she just starts crying. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter this much. And I, I've had to learn a lot. And I'm trying to be better at doing these little bits of pushes, always being there to help and always cheering my kids on uh, in a big way. And recently, um, just this past week, she read her first book all by herself, which was this huge moment. And we celebrated in a big way. But I realized like how many small steps and how much time and how much encouragement it took for us to get to that moment. Because that's how we have to approach these relationships. That's what Paul's talking about for the Thessalonians here, that we were there with you. We walked with you. We pushed you. We cheered you on, helping you do what you need to do to take these next steps. And those are the kinds of relationships that we need and that we have to have um, to make a difference in our lives. Do you have those kind of relationships in your life? Think about your five. Do you have people who are there? They're sacrificing. They're cheering you on. They're celebrating what God is doing. Hebrews 3, uh, verses 12 through 13, the writer of Hebrews says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving hearts leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We've got to walk with each other and help each other. We've got to be willing, as long as it's called today, which is a great phrase, by the way, because every day that we live is called today. We have got to be willing to help each other see that we haven't hit the mark yet, that we've got further to go, walk and celebrate and do the best that we can to help people grow in their relationship with God in a big way. Just this week, I was in my huddle, and I'm often just blown away by how God can speak to me um, through the guys in my huddle. And one of the guys, one of the guys in my huddle was just reading his, his soap, um, which is how we journal through scripture. And he was talking about his application of God's word that day. And it was one of those moments where God just like really spoke to my heart. And I was like, man, I've read this passage a bunch of times and completely missed that every time. I need those moments in my life. And I need them in my life weekly in a real way. So earlier I was talking about Joel, Joel, and Joel, and I made a decision to try to be more intentional in that relationship. And um, so we began to meet weekly um, downtown at the Marina Variety Store on Saturday mornings, spending time in God's Word, praying for each other, keeping each other accountable, um, and driving the waitresses crazy because they never believed that we were actually Joel, Joel, and Joel every week. Um, but we, that time together was so important. I grew from it. They grew from it. And it mattered to God because it's what God wanted for us to be in these kinds of relationships that make a difference and that matter. For us, so often, we come in our relationships to see what we can get out of them when we need to be focused on the give more than the get. How can we invest? How can we pour into How can we encourage the people that God has given us relationships with in a big way? A lot of us want that kind of friend in our life, but we're not willing to do the work to have it. 
But what if for us, we made a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do the work because I realize this matters to God in such a big way. When it comes to our friendships, there's a big difference between having good intentions and being intentional. We've got to be people who put the good intentions aside. Those are great sometimes to make us feel good about ourselves, but they don't matter. And start being intentional in the relationships God has given us. So I want to encourage you guys to take a step. I know we've talked a lot about missional communities, but I really think that missional communities are a place for you to connect, make relationships with people, and see if maybe you can find someone that it would be a good fit for you to get together with and have this kind of close relationship, helping each other walk with God in a real way. The goal of all of that is to press us into these things that we called huddles that I mentioned earlier, where we can meet weekly with one or two other people and be challenged by God's word, be challenged by each other, pray for each other, encourage each other. We want you to be in that relationship in a big way. And I know that you're... You might be like tired of us saying, get in a missional community, get in a huddle, get in a missional community, get in a huddle. I know that we say it all the time, but we say it all the time because it matters, because you need it, because it's what God wants for you to be in the kind of relationships that live out this idea of what the body of Christ is, what the family of God is. And apart from us getting into these relationships, We're not going to be where God wants us to be with him. A couple of weeks ago, we did a survey. A lot of you guys were here for it. You thought it was weird, but thankfully you filled it out. So thank you. Um, As a part of that survey, there were a couple of questions that we asked. And the first one was this. It was, um, how many close friends do you have basically outside of your spouse in your life? And so... Um, about 15% of you said that you don't have a close friend like that in your life. Another 15% of you said you've got one close friend like that in your life. Then kind of an overwhelming 65% of you said that you have many or several, several friends like that in your life, which is a big deal. And about 5% said many. I've got a lot of friends um, who are, I'm close to outside of my spouse. We asked another question later on, and it was the question of, are you in a huddle? Are you in a huddle? 52%, no. 27%, yes. 13%, I was in a huddle, but I'm not anymore. And then 8% of you said, what's a huddle? Which is on us for not explaining that well. So 65 to 70% of us say that we have several or, or many really close friends in our life, but only 27% of us are saying that I'm in a relationship with someone who's keeping me accountable for my walk of the Lord. And I don't, I don't share that to shame us or to make us feel bad about where we are, but to show us that God has given us room to grow in our relationships. That God wants our relationships to be in the specific place and that we need to take some steps to say, you know what? I want to be intentional. I want that kind of relationship with a friend. 
that God can use to grow me, to be more like Christ in the way that I live and what I do. So we're going to do something this morning, and um, it's kind of simple, but it's different. I'm going to ask you guys to all take out your phones. So if everybody can take out their phone, um, we are going to take another survey, and it is not going to be 50 questions. It's going to be one, one question. If you could do this for me, that'd be great. So head to talktocanebay.com. We made this URL this week, talktocanebay.com. If you can head there and take the survey, the main question there is, are you in a huddle? And you have um, three answers. Yes, no, but I'm interested, or no, and I'm not interested. And the whole purpose of doing this is because I want you guys to be able to walk away from here saying, I took a step if you wanted to take a step. So what we're going to do with this information is I'm going to take it and I'm going to pass it on to our missional community leaders and so whatever missional community that you are in, um, they, your leaders are going to be there to help you get connected into a huddle, to help you get connected into this kind of discipling relationship that you need um, to be connected with. We want to be a help to you in that way. We want to help you get connected into the kind of relationships that God wants you to be in. And if you're not in a missional community yet, I pray that that's your first step. You'll say this morning, as you have that list and have that menu with you, I want to get connected with these people so that I can take the steps to be with a friend so that my relationship with God can grow. Will talked about last week how our primary with has got to be our relationship with God. That this year we want to press into that with him, to know him more, to experience him more, to be with him more. But I will tell you honestly, that unless you are with a friend walking in this way, it's going to be close to impossible for you to be where you need to be in your relationship with God. God didn't design us to do this alone. He built us for community. He built us to be a part of a family and to be a part of a body. We need each other. And I want to challenge you guys this morning. Be bold enough, if you're not in a huddle, to say, no, but I'm interested. Let us help you get connected. Let us do our best to see that you can find these kinds of relationships that make all the difference. Church, it's got to start with us. The world is going to keep doing what the world does. We're going to have thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of friends on social media that mean absolutely nothing. But how many relationships can we have that matter? What do you need to do? What do you need to sacrifice? What do you need to give to be in a relationship that changes your life and your relationship with God forever? Pray this morning you can take that step. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your goodness. We recognize and realize our need for you. And I pray, God, that in, in understanding that, we can see and understand, God, how much we need each other how desperately we need to be in relationship with people who will love us and challenge us and push us where we need to be pushed and speak truth into our lives where truth needs to be spoken, even if it hurts. God, give us the boldness to say, I want it this morning. God, I look forward to seeing what you're gonna do in the life of this church because we enter into relationships with each other 
that make a difference for the kingdom. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do through our missional communities and through our huddles. I look forward to seeing how this community will be transformed by a group of people walking with each other and loving each other in order to please God and not ourselves. So God, give us boldness and give us courage to truly begin to love and care and walk with each other. We know that all of that is possible because of the love that you've shown to us. God, I pray that now we are able to worship and glorify you, give back, and the love that you've shown to us. In Jesus' name we pray.